0: welcome to the don't die podcast sponsored by aloe treatment centers they're out in malibu they're in silver lake it's a treatment center i started with some friends we want you to get the right treatment the right program for you and stop dying stop dying chuck that's what we want people
1: to do <laughs> wait well, i want to say something like you say stop dying chuck i want to go
2: and you too, Bob, or something. I want. I want to have a catchphrase. I don't have. Well, a that's gonna be mine. I'm gonna say right treatment. But it's just so
0: <laughs> ludicrous that you have to have a podcast trying to encourage drug addicts to not die. I mean, it's, that's what I'm making fun of. Like how right. crazy things got in the last ten years. Right. You not, didn't not, have to not, encourage Mike Martin not to die. He wanted. He wanted to live to uh, get high exactly. another day.
2: Man, it was like a misfortune if you went out. <laughs> it's a new frontier. You know, it was like. It was like. Oh God. So what did I miss when I was gone? <laughs> what, yeah, did anybody <laughs> did anybody get more crack? That's what Mike wanted. If Mike O D, he wanted to know if yeah. you went back to the
0: spot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 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 so was- so I I just uh I just been thinking about you know, I've been doing a lot of soul searching, right? For one reason or another. Um, and and one of the things is I, the recovery racket just kind of fell into my lap. And I wanted to I the wanted say, sh- I, I don't think you've ever heard how it happened, right? Mm, I don't think no. I've ever told the story of how I got into being a counselor. It was all by accident. I thought so, there was
1: like a star in the sky. And, yeah, and
0: I followed the North Star, <laughs> and like then that. there's three guys. And, no, what happened was I was the guy who... Could never get sober. Mike, even Mike Mart got sober, but Bob Forrest couldn't. Right, right. I I would, and we had so many friends that were so wonderful to me. And, you know, and I don't mind saying Anthony Kiedis, one of the greatest friends I've ever had, he never gave up on me. He got a little tired of me, but he never gave up on Imagine me. Imagine that. Right? <laughs> um, a lot of people did give up on me, which which I'm not even mad at them. I wasn't mad. I, didn't, I, I was like, I would give up on me too. Right? right if you figure i went to my first rehab a night i went to my first diversion program in 1986 and then i went to my first inpatient treatment in 1988 i didn't get sober till 1996 that's a long fucking car accident right yeah and it and i remember this guy who uh, a friend of ours michael michael i won't say his last name but mike knows who it is tried to help me so much and and it I think he just saw me as the whale. <laughs> like, like if I can get him
2: sober,
1: like, <laughs> you know uh, you, I
2: mean? oh, like you, the old man the moby dick. yeah moby dick right <laughs> the leviathan yeah. in the room because
0: he would oh, never oh, give oh. up he would come in my house and say come on i want to take you to a meeting and i'd smoke crack in front of him and blow the smoke in his face and say i don't want to go to a meeting i'm feeling too good okay and
1: i wouldn't even try to help somebody who was smoking crack and happy <laughs> I thought we were supposed to help people that wanted it.
0: Well, it was kind of pathetic. I was pathetic, but I was happy in the moments of being intoxicated. So so everybody, and and finally that guy gave up on me, right? Mm. He tried for years. He would take me, I lived at Fountain Gardener, which we talked about in the last episode. I lived at Fountain Gardener, and the famous AA spot in all of Southern California was Fountain and Fairfax. You could walk from my house to it, and... I He would come by my house and say, come on, come to the meeting. It's a Saturday morning. Remember that, Mike? There was a big Saturday morning meeting. Yes. Right? It was like everyone was there. It was the coolest people and the coolest meetings. It's where all the rock stars that you look up to got sober. That's where they were. And they parked their motorcycles out in front of the church, right? Cool. From the Sex Pistols and Generation X and all the bands we grew up with. They're all sober. They're two blocks from my house. I'm like, fuck them. <laughs> you know losers. What I mean? Losers. <laughs> Fucking losers. Yep. Right? So, but this guy Michael would come by and he would take me to the meeting, and I would leave at the break, and there's a liquor store in between my house and the AA meeting. And I would stop and buy a six pack of beer and be drinking one on my way, walking home. And if I, and inevitably, AA people would be driving by and they'd say, "Keep coming back, Bob." And I'd hold my Budweiser <laughs> up like, "I'm a guy out, brother.
2: I'll be back next Saturday."
0: I've known I've
1: known a couple guys like that. So I was yep.
0: like, there was another guy at at Log Cabin named Billy Sunshine. I was like, I was like him. I was like he and I were buddies. We were we 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 just couldn't get it together. So the guy who tried to help me for years finally. um when I did get sober in 1996, I remember I had 13 days, and I saw him, and it was the first time I'd seen him in six months or whatever, and I go, hey, Michael, I got 16, 13 days, and he goes, fuck you, Bob, you always have 13 days, and he
2: walked away. <laughs> like,
0: uh-huh. this, is like, yeah. this is like the angel of Hollywood AA, right?
2: That's when you start feeling really <laughs> Yeah, bad.
0: and then I'm like, fuck, I really... Push this.
2: Texas right? <laughs> so, Terry did that to me.
0: Yeah. So, and Wiley and just everybody got sober but me.
2: <laughs>
0: right? Uh, Roadies of ours got sober. And I'd be like, how the fuck does a roadie get sober? <laughs> like what? <laughs> like what? Like they're not people; they're just well, like people, Bob. I, I saw, I saw the world in a very different way than I do now, Bob. Uh, Chuck. While everyone is equal, everyone's a, everyone's a snowflake now. <laughs> Ro- roadies, aren't, roadies aren't better than uh, are equal to singers for sure, right, Chuck? Well, it depends on who you're asking, <laughs> dude. I was a roadie. There
1: is no way you're equal to
0: the fuck. Singer.
1: Oh, try being a bass player.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> Same shit.
0: So, uh, funny side note. So, remember the band Winger?
1: Oh, my yes. God. All
0: right. Kip so, there was a guy Winger? named R- Kip Winger. Right. He was a bass player singer. Matt Dyke, my friend that everyone's been celebrating last year, he just passed away, and he was one of the greatest producers in hip-hop. He basically invented West Coast hip-hop. Um we liked getting into concerts, but you know neither one of us were famous enough to get anywhere. He couldn't just show
1: up and say, it's me. You couldn't get into the <laughs> Greek theater. You know what right. I mean?
0: You could get into Raji's. That wasn't going to help.
2: But, but, but,
0: but, so, but Matt was really handsome, and he looked like somebody. You know what I mean? He was from New York City. He just always, right, Mike? He just looked like he was important.
2: Yeah, he was suave. But
0: he man. wasn't important. He was equal to me. He wasn't a roadie. He was a roadie. <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> but I hope he wouldn't be hanging out world, with a roadie. world, according to Bob, when he's <laughs> right. high, I had a weird kind of reality to it. <laughs> I see but the echelon. So I somehow saw uh, the Kip Winger guy somewhere, and he kind of looked like Matt. So Matt uh-huh. and I came with this thing that I would be like the roadie guy, the like personal assistant guy. And then I I would, like, try to act like we'd want to get him through the VIP door, you know, because it's Kip Winger. And, <laughs> Did you I, plan I would this? Be, yeah, we totally planned it. And he would wear a trench coat like the Kip Winger guy, <laughs> because he wore a trench coat on the album Okay. Cover. So Matt would look like the Kip Winger guy. And then we would go to, like, gigs at the, it was called the Universal Amphitheater. It now closed down. Now, now I think it's a Star Wars thing at, or whatever uh, at, at Universal. Studios, not Star Wars, oh, but something,
1: right? Then it turned into the Gibson yeah. Amphitheater.
0: Was
2: it open air? Yes, yeah, so it was open air
0: it. in yeah. the beginning, then they closed it, then it was the Universal Amphitheater, then it was Gibson Amphitheater, then it was something else, and then it closed. And now it's an amusement park ride. Right, right, right. Right? Mm. But, so we're going there. I think we're going to see the Blues Brothers, oh, right? Wait. Or wait. somebody wait, like which, that. Which somebody Blues
2: Brothers was... <laughs>
0: Well, this is probably '83, so Belushi was dead. I saw dead. Bob Marley there
2: when it was open. Really? Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah.
0: Frank Sinatra there.
2: Huh. Oh my god! How
0: fucking crazy is that place? I, I don't think I can top well, that. So that was a neat Blues Brothers like thing. It was like a, It was like an an actor, like all the famous people were going to be there, but maybe not the Blues Brothers. Maybe Steve Martin. F- funky Tut, King Tut.
2: Because
0: we wanted to be where all the famous people were, right? Okay, well, that's, and so, where they're that's, <laughs> that's where they were at. That's where they were at. Fucking Steve Martin at the Universal Amphitheater. <laughs> so we go to, you know, you could you could get past the entryway and you could get around a side gate where the celebrities came into this private driveway. So we jump over this fence and then I'm walking up to the thing and I'm like, and there's a bunch of people trying to get in and then I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm looking at making eye contact two people back from with the guy with the list. I'm like, it's uh, you know, signaling to him. I'm doing a bunch of hand gestures that, <laughs> that personal assistants do when somebody famous is coming. Hey, right. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the guy goes, what? And I go, uh, Kip Winger needs to get in. He can't like, we got to get him inside. <laughs> we need a straight we line. We need to get no him photography, inside. No video, please. Yeah. Right. And then the people in the line start to think that Matt is Kip Winger. when when winger was huge it was awesome no what what year did that happen i don't even remember let's look it up like so on the periphery of where i was and what was going on winger songs okay let's see when winger was at the height of their powers 1980s (laughs) here we go anyway so matt was posing as as kip winger right okay and um and nobody bought it i hope no they did totally no. bought it he kind of looked like the guy
1: well did he so he had long black hair parted in the middle and long feathered brownish
0: back. hair like this is kip winger right there the guy in the front right there right this is him there's um kip right there that's kip okay he kind of looks like john fashante in that picture wow he's kip a, winger was he a, cool a lot more rugged guy. than i remember him yeah looking. i thought
1: cool, he was like a it was cool looking guy, guy. He was
2: super nice were you knew winger? I mean, I didn't know him, but I just knew that they were always nice to people. were they? yeah well, Kip was always nice. How do you know him? I just knew him from around at clubs and stuff. oh really yeah. let's hear oh uh so and then Robin knew him too. did Robin know him?
0: so they' they were big in eighty seven so this had to be eighty seven or eighty eight when they just exploded on the scene, right? So we get in skip winger. Right We got into Peter Frampton one time, fans hmm. Kip winger. Oh right so so anyways, I don't know how we got down that side road.
2: How did we get down oh, that beca- side road? Because I, don't know. I never <laughs> discovered this whole Kip winger thing
1: because right. you were you were talking about how there was a, an echelon and oh you, yeah you had to oh well,
0: they're getting back to my story. So roadies were getting sober. <laughs>
1: the roadies were getting road,
0: sober. I was posing as a roadie to get into concerts. Because they're better than normal people. Yes, Kip Winger but is better not, but, than roadies. But, but Kip, Winger well, is. in that era, in so, the eighties, now everybody's equal and everybody's a snowflake. Where does that go with with God and Bowie and then Kip Winger? Uh, well, and then Kip people? apparently Kip's a nice guy. Maybe we should try to get Kip on here. Flea's book is coming out. Acid for the children. He was a homeless. <laughs> he was a children. homeless bum on Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> uh, when I met him. He was yeah. like a teen runaway. Yeah, like yeah, he, he had a he's good had some, street life going. Yeah, he had. He was. They were. They were the real deal. Anthony yeah, yeah. and Flea. and J.K. Anthony, Flea, and J.K. lived behind what's now the uh, Chick Fil A on Highland and and uh,
2: Sunset. So and it used to be, it used to have a uh, that's where uh, the, that famous drugstore was where what's her name got um discovered. No, that's over at Crescent Heights. Oh, okay, Schwab's. So, Schwab. so anyway, so I'm never so getting sober. Hollywood High.
0: So, let's get back to I'm never getting sober, and everyone knows it. Even roadies are getting sober, you know, ex girlfriends are sober, Mike Mart gets sober. It's huh. just pathetic. Right Right. So I finally do get sober And I'm just so grateful To be sober And everybody says Did you work the steps Of course I did Of course Who doesn't How fucking hard is it (laughs) You know what I mean (laughs) This bragging Uh, about uh. working the steps Is the Uh. most retarded thing (laughs) In a completely (laughs) retarded world Right? <laughs> so I worked the steps. Okay. I stayed sober. I, you know, things went well. I loved my job. I got custody of Elijah. He was living with me. It was, I just felt alive like I dodged a bullet. Like, finally, what happened for Rodies is happening for me. Finally. <laughs> <What? laughs> you know what I mean? Finally. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, and the weirdest luck thing. So I'm I work I'm about two years sober a year and a half sober and I'm working as a messenger and I turned to a Paul messenger for for a movie company driving around L.A. delivering ads for movies
1: right delivering ads
0: in the old days you didn't have fax machines you had to get the signature of the person authorizing that this proof is good and then it'd go back
2: to the printers and all this kind of and stuff. And this is okay. when, when people would recognize Bob and go, hey, yeah. aren't you Bob? Hey, what's, what's your name? Say, what's your name? <laughs> oh, you I, was like, God, I just you need a signature. You must the guy.
0: need a signature here, buddy. You need a signature here, But I was driving home one night and I stopped by Golden Voice, an old friend's mine, and I asked Paul to let for a, for a job because I cause I was tired of driving. I was driving like 12 hours a day, pretty mm-hmm. much. So he said, ah, oh, that'd be too weird you working here. Um, but I heard that you played a show. And by this time, I had met Josh Klinghoffer, 17-year-old whiz kid. And we had written a few songs. I had written some songs with John Fashante, too. And then I played a show in Silver like like a benefit. I think Mike played it. With low and sweet or some Mike, you were there. It was at that restaurant near the little park area, the curb of sunset, and Rob Zabrecki organized it. Did you play uh, it? At? Yeah, I uh, think Mike, yeah. uh, you were there, and so me and Josh played or whatever. And Paul had heard about it, and he goes, "Listen, if if I like the stuff I'm he- hearing, then I'll I'll form a record company and we'll make a record. How lucky is that? Wow." So from that came The Bicycle Thief and b- major record year. Wait, You
1: know, that is so backwards. You come up with some songs you like and I like them. I'll start a record company and we'll put you on it.
0: Yeah, but, but I mean, how much, like, how much does it cost to start a record company?
1: I have no idea. I've never done it. But that is so cool that you have people around that believed in you like that. No,
0: we, I think, I think he no, he I think no. he had promised a band called The Aquabats that he was <laughs> going to do it. He no. just, oh.
2: he just he didn't want, want me working there.
0: <laughs> he
1: Anything to keep oh you God, out I of know. the office.
2: No, but he Maybe was the already, songs will be terrible. No,
0: yeah. he loves this band called The Aquabats, I know, I know. and they were going to make a record. And then Chicano Batman, I think, was going to be on it. Both or,
2: great bands. Yeah,
0: so, so, mm. so that led to The Bicycle Thief, and then I wrote this song, Stoned, about my son, Elijah, and and I saw millennials coming when they were 12 years old, Chuck. Go back and listen to a song called Stoned off the first Bicycle Thief record. It's about millennials, but only when they're 12 years old, right? It oh. goes, I've got a 12-year-old boy and he is always bored and so are all his friends and so am I, right? They were bored when they were fucking 12, Chuck. Yeah. I'm not kidding. There was something wrong with them right off the bat. <laughs> Oh Jesus. <laughs> so no you didn't. so yes, That's you didn't true. That. You have uh, a 30 year old, you know. <laughs> you don't want to admit it. You spotted that shit a long time oh, ago. Oh god. It's true. Yeah. They just they just were bored. <laughs> they didn't care about anything. Uh, anyway. So, so so, The Bicycle Thief, you know, did what it did. And somehow I ended up with luck of all luck. And Mike will understand this because the same thing happened to him. I got bought out of a two album deal and a two album firm publishing deal. So, I literally, the band broke up, never made a second record, and I got like 400 grand. This is wow. the craziest, luckiest, fucking greatest thing that ever happens to a musician, right? Hmm. You were born 10 years too, too late, John.
1: Yeah apparently
0: so what do i do in a situation like that i got nothing to do i got money right so i go on a spending spree i go you know to new york i go to buy records with keith mortis every day because i don't know how he had the money but he had money too we were just buying records for like a year Right, like a normal person
2: would go. <laughs> I think I'm going to get a house. <laughs> know, like, no, no, no! So I'm going to buy a bunch of records Grab and have nowhere to put them and, <laughs> some, and some collectibles
0: and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Look at all this shit. Part of that, part of this stuff was bought then. <laughs> you got some cool stuff. I got cool stuff. Yep. So, um, so then came the depression, Chuck. Oh, depression will sit in, Will will rear its ugly head when purposefulness is gone. So I had purposefulness in the beginning, getting sober, staying sober, working the steps, going to meetings, blah, blah, blah. Second part was see if I can write good songs, see if I can have a band, see if I can play music again, right? So I was purposeful the first four or five years of my sobriety. And then I fell into this kind of spot where it was like 2000, yeah, 2000, and I became depressed. It was, you know, I was running out of money. I was like, in a, you know, and Anthony noticed, and he goes, "What is up with you?" And you know, I was like, "I'm just depressed." And
2: and he got all these CDs and (laughs) all these records and nothing to play them on.
0: I had, at the time, Mike was there. I had a 12 room house, and it was filled with shit. No, man. So you
1: won
2: you the lottery. Change that much, you know that. Bob. You won
0: the lottery and you were broke next week, but you had a lot of shit. Yeah. I was broke. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to think of what in this room I bought at that time. Um, that Jerry West autograph picture. How, okay. now, how is much that? of that
2: money did you give away to your friends? I gave a lot away. You I gave, gave a lot of it away. away. I gave money to people. The map? Because I felt. Did you buy the map? Back because then? you figured it was like an investment because when you lost it, you remember I gave you that money? <laughs> I would, you know, and what was weird was, and I have this theory, There, are,
0: there are people that see the world in a codependent way, which is how I see it. I'm, I try to fight against it with my cynicism and sarcasm and kind of cantankerousness. Really, it's to protect myself from how, how I just want to help. I just, I'll just give you a shirt off my back, that type of stuff. <clears throat> there are other people that are more evolved, I think, that understand the Jesus story of like, you need to teach people how to fish. You don't need to give them fish, right? <clears throat> in the Hollywood we grew up in, nobody seemed to want to learn how to fish, <laughs> Well, not the people are giving you fish. That's the problem. It, it, so, so, and I felt guilty. So, whatever. So, Anthony goes, "Why don't you volunteer down at MAP? Maybe it'll pull you out of it."
1: Oh, he told right? you to go do some service.
0: Yes. There you go. That changed my life forever. Um, right away, I was like, "Why don't you?" I didn't say that. <laughs> Why don't
1: you go down the map? It's all old people down there.
0: No, but uh, you know, I didn't take the advice right away, but it was the greatest advice I ever got. Get out of yourself. But he didn't present it in that lame AA way. All he said, I said, I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. He goes, why don't you go down the map and volunteer down there? That's all he said.
2: Great he didn't advice. say that, little, that. Hey, what step are you on? Are <laughs> you being observant? Are you going to enough meetings, Bob? Did you pray today? <laughs>
0: did you pray today? <laughs> <laughs> he just was practical and commonsensical and said, why don't you go down the map? If you're fucking miserable, go down the map and try to help somebody. So I did. And I loved it. And Buddy um, didn't want to lose control of map as he got older. And he, I was his devotee. So he decided I should go to school, get licensed or certified, and then I would take over, but he would still run it, right? So okay. I would run the day-to-day. He would be the, whatever, the poster child of it, whatever it's called, right? And so it was perfect. So MAP paid for me to go to school. The only reason I went to chemical dependency counseling school was to take over MAP. I hated rehabs. I, I still had hard times. <laughs> I had hard times with rehabs because, you know, some rehabs like uh, CPC Westwood, I paid cash going in and then I left after four days and then they wouldn't give me my money back. I mean, I I, had a, I didn't like how I was treated at Cry Help. I thought it was a shitty thing, the way that they treated people and they didn't have to treat people that way. So I was not a fan of rehab. There was no way. If Buddy would have said, hey, why don't we pay for you to go to school and you can go over and work at Cry Help, I would have said, go fuck yourself.
2: You didn't see the value in cleaning <laughs> toilets. Yeah, no,
0: no, no. I, but but taking over Map and always being with Buddy until he died, that appealed to me. So that's the only reason I went to school. Well, the school. musician's
2: assistant program was so pure back then. I mean, it, it's like if you were a musician and you were on stage and you could prove that you had an income from... Music, they would sponsor, pay for you to tre- go to. Treatment. They would sponsor you, basically, and that's what Buddy was probably trying to protect. That whole right. concept, yeah, that it wouldn't be corrupted, right? So,
0: so the only reason I went was take over Map. Then, <clears throat> as things got weirder over time, which Buddy didn't realize. This is probably in two thousand, right? But he didn't realize we keep going back to the same musicians for money, and they're getting tired of it, right? Bonnie Raitt. Dr. John, who just passed away a couple of days just, ago. Uh, One of the Dr. greatest John. guys ever. <clears throat> I tell this story. I was <clears throat> on the Lower East Side. Bicycle Thief was playing in New York. I was feeling great. I'm standing on a street corner of the Lower East Side. Dr. John walks up with his cane and all his feathers and everything. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes...
2: You're a friend of that old buddy Arnold,
0: aren't you? Oh, that's great. That was one of the greatest (laughs) moments of my life. Oh, that's so great. That's all he said. We didn't hang out. He just walked across the street and was gone. (laughs) That moment with a fucking icon, right? I don't think kids nowadays think of that as so important, right? It changed my, it made me feel like, God, I can be old. I can be cool. It, It inspired me. Chuck, it was eleven seconds of his life. But he carried himself in this loving, funny, fun loving, gregarious, larger than life way. And you know, most most I know most musicians would look over and they might know, but they wouldn't say anything. He just looked at me mm-hmm. and goes, Well, you're a friend of that buddy Arnold. Yeah, the way I'm Dr. John dressed you. dressed,
2: you know, I mean it was hard to get past like, you know, just all that pomp and pa I mean there was some you know, good uh, stuff going on there. Yeah. <laughs> and bones and hats no, and fucking yeah, bones and things. And, 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 so, so,
0: <laughs> so, so anyway, so, map was going back to Bonnie Raitt, Dr. John, Eric Clapton, and now the only new musicians that were a part of the board or a part of contributing or fundraising were the chili peppers and so Mm. as eric clapton got more and more tired of it trust me and then he started his own rehab um and bonnie ray like she did what she could you know you'd constantly be turning to them can you play a benefit concert can you can you donate a hundred thousand dollars and buddy just kept going back to the same people i'll give you an example we started this awards thing where we'd award you know great contributions to the music sobriety community we honored let's see how it worked we honored um the chili peppers one year then anthony kiedis by himself a second year
2: (laughs) (laughs) then then, you guys do then me
0: then wait then me Asking them to play, then, All right. then Golden Voice. So it was. We were going to the same two people or the same four people for money. But David Bowie was in there too, right? Somehow, no, no, no. Oh, I thought he was. It was. It was. Um, his connection was the 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 Sales Brothers. Oh, I right. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but he gave money. But here's the thing: we had a million dollar a year budget, right? So if you went to David Bowie and said, hey, you know, we're looking for funding, of course most people like that that have that kind of money will write you a check for 50 grand. Even if you can do that four times, you're still 800 grand down. Right, <laughs> right you know what I mean? Right. So, so music, MAP's starting to fall apart. Music Cares wants the goodwill of MAP because MAP was the real deal. Music Cares was this corporate bullshit thing. And so they wanted to incorporate MAP into Music Cares and get all the goodwill and the good feelings from all the musicians towards Music Cares, right? Smart move, smart move, right?
2: Yeah, business move.
0: Business move. I was odd man out when the merger happened, right? Why is that? Buddy had died. Uh. The merger happened. Um and I was just it was like musical chairs and there was no spot for me. Mm. So now it's like two thousand three. I spent all that money on records. Mm. I got <laughs> I gotta work and and the only place that will have me is Pass Need Recovery Center. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Right. But how cool so I got a job and my first counseling job was all the people that the other counselors didn't want. All the troublemakers. All the kind of sociopaths, all the male borderlines, all the crazy people was mine. And and I love telling this story. So I say to Mike Bloom, who owns PRC, I say, do I have an office? And he goes, well, not yet. We're getting you one ready. Uh (laughs) And I was like, okay, how do I meet with my clients? And he goes, you can use my dad's office. Because Dr. Bloom, his dad, owned it and would come in and do the medical. So... But it wasn't my office where I could hang out. I could just see clients in there for 15 minutes or whatever and then leave. And then I was forced to just walk around with the clients all day and sit mm-hmm. out on the patio and play music and whatever. It's what, it's what developed my style. Like don't, <laughs> don't fucking sit in your office. Fuck you counselors that just sit in your office. Get out and mix it up with the clients. Be with the clients. Of
2: course right? the guy that doesn't have an office is going to take that.
0: yeah of course you have to but really that's what i do i don't want to sit in an office i it being at prc so about six months goes by and i go mike am i gonna get an office and he goes you know what it's uh, yeah we're figuring it out (laughs) blah blah and there's all this construction in the back where there's like plywood and you can't understand what the fuck's going on and uh And so eventually he comes and he goes, go with the guy who's doing the construction that was the maintenance guy. Go there because he's going to show you where your office is. And what he's done is they got rid of one of the bathrooms and they just took the toilet up and they they took the sink off the wall and they painted it. And then I got the fucking bathroom.
2: Did they put something over the hole? The floor. Yes, oh yes. But
0: you could smell down into the <laughs> sewage. But we'll well, well, did you have a tile and, office? And, and 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 he grinded a cement floor, kind of, but it, he never varnished it, so it was just like broken cement floor. Nice. And yeah. and you could see the bolt holes from the things around the toilets. Well, that's <laughs> how, like Costco's
2: and Safeway's yeah, that's kind of cool. That was yeah. oh, my first
0: yeah. office. So needless to say I worked there for two years. I never hung out in my office because it smelled like <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs>
2: oh my god. Maybe that's your fascination with poo. I, I love know. poo. That's but, <laughs> but but so I from there the
0: now, that's when I, bu- you know, Drew kept saying, "You got to come and work for us. Got to come and work for us." And I was scared of working at a hospital, right? And and funny thing happens. And the was great- that from radio?
1: Because you knew him from radio.
0: No, it's just like a hospital. Don't aren't you scared of hospitals?
1: No, but I mean, no. Is that how you knew Drew? Was that the Drew connection? Yeah, from, from K-Rock? being on
0: the radio. Yeah. So so I um. Love and,
2: line is where he met.
0: And there or was Arthur a Drew. there was a counselor named Jennifer who worked for him and um and I was sponsoring and he's passed now, so Scott Wyland, right? Mm-hmm. So and he was in Austin Cena's hospital, right? So and I had a court case from one of my troublemaking clients. It was it was December twenty fourth. Had fallen on like a Wednesday, so they were going to give you Thursday, Friday off, right? Okay. Um, and so I had a court appearance with my client on December 24th morning, 9 a.m., um, Judge DeShazer's court in Compton.
1: How do you remember stuff like that?
0: Because I ended up working with Judge DeShazer. I love her. She's one of shit. That woman. Judge Bell in Las Vegas and Judge DeShazer in Compton are the two greatest judges I've ever worked with. They're fair. They're no bullshit. They care what chemical dependency counselors say, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they care what AA, they do check the court cards that they're going to AA. Judge DeShazer will ask them questions. What meeting did you go to, honey? Tell me, describe <laughs> it to me. Like, oh, it's one of those meetings. Well, where is it at? What streets it on? What time is it at? Got I, I told right. you I wanted you to go to meetings on a regular basis, go to the same meetings every every time, every you know, consistently. And she'd be holding the card and say, where'd you go just on Saturday? Last Saturday. <laughs> I and they, had, they have no idea, they just fucking cheated the court
2: yep. card, right? Good
0: for her. So Judge DeShazer is sick of my client. She's lied, she's left the facility, she got drunk, blah, 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 blah. Takes her into custody. Like at 9.15 in the morning Christmas on Eve. Christmas Eve morning. Mm-hmm. And then calls me to back chambers, and I go, what's going on? And she goes, I'm going to release her tomorrow, but I just wanted to think about things. Spend Christmas Eve night in jail, right? So then I go, okay. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I have to pick her up on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> I'm fucked. But I'm going to get time and a half, Chuck. You know that? Well, I... <laughs> so <laughs> No, I'm salary. Oh, so... So you don't get time and no. a half. So... I have this time to kill. And I'm coming up to 710. And um, and I thought, oh, I'll swing by Los Encinas and see Scott. Because they don't want to go back to PRC. You know what I mean? You don't want to go back to work in the toilet hole room. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I stopped the, by Las Encinas. The, toilet,
2: the poo room. I stopped by
0: Las Encinas to see Scott. And we're sitting there. And Jennifer, who worked there, goes, Drew's been talking to you about working here, right? And I said, yeah, yeah. You know, but I don't know. I wouldn't fit in here. And she goes, our evening outpatient person just just quit. And me and the other Jennifer, there was two Jennifers that worked there. We're working full-time days and we're covering nights. Go up to the front and fill out an application. So that's how I ended up working at Lawson Angeles huh. Hospital, by accident. Just all these accidents. Do you see it? Anthony tells me, go volunteer at MAP. It leads to me getting certified. Then it falls apart. Then I work at the only place that'll have me, by PRC. <laughs> And because I was being of service and trying to go around, I another accident happened in Las Encinas. That's what leads to the the TV show. That's what leads to all of this. That's a, none that's of it doing, was
2: planned out. That's doing what's mm. put in front of you. You know that's a that's a program thing. I, I mean, I believe whatever's put in front of you, you just do. I think nowadays people
0: think they plan all this shit out and they do work. Ah, and nah, it doesn't work, do. man. Just do what's put in front of you no but that's not how people think of things chuck is is agreeing with me yeah I, it's not how people think of things anymore that you just do the right thing and something will happen
1: right you know that's how i don't know why i'm working in this thing again i mean i started off building truck bodies and then built electrical control panels and then it ended up back in this business i mean it then ended up where i am now because of you and only because of you, because I ran into you at a next show, right. and only because only because I said uh, uh, my wife pushed me to be brave enough to ask you to come talk to the kids at the place I was working at the time. I mean, so it's like, you know, n- this us doing this is a total happenstance thing if i if that one moment wouldn't have happened or if i would have said no i'm not going to go talk to him he doesn't remember who i am i'm not going to talk you know whatever oh, no. it would it wouldn't be you know what i'm saying mm. so it's we do live that way but it's also we also lived in a time where our, where our folks told us go outside don't come home until the street lights come on Right. You know, go outside from six o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night in the summer. Go play. You come home and eat if you, if their moms don't feed you.
2: Yeah, stop sitting around the house being bored. Right. Yeah. You're, you're
1: only bored if you're boring, is what, you know, how many yeah, times but, did I hear that?
0: Uh, the, yeah, but that's what I used to say to Elijah. He would just look at you, bored. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, uh, no, it didn't. See, because that's a shaming nowadays in parenting. That's a no no. You're shaming your child. Uh, Right? right you're labeling him don't do that right that's how we got into this mess oh, we're,
1: oh you're right this yeah. stuff is going to this is all going to come full circles though i mean we've talked about how many uh you know genders there are the 72 genders yeah. And yeah. all that stuff this stuff is all it's i, I okay I, people want to be heard and they want their opinion to be heard and they want to be seen for who they are and how they are but all this stuff is it all comes and goes. It's all uh, cyclical, right? So eventually, it'll be a don't label me. It'll be a, you know, we need to hold people accountable within our family structure. Well, we the, need to do this I, and we need but to do I,
0: but, the, but just look at how I see it. I live my life based on faith and I don't believe in God. People nowadays, most people believe in God and they have no faith. They True. think they need to control everything, including how people refer to them. I don't, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have control over whether people say, oh, fucking white dude, or fucking straight guy, or, <laughs> I, I don't, I can't worry what people, I can't control it. No. So, I do believe that our society is trapped in this minutia of control. They have no faith, but they're overly religious or spiritual now, as in the AA, like, oh, I'm, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. What the does that mean
1: oh you know what that means
0: it means they're too lazy to practice religion <laughs>
1: <laughs> right means there's too many rules in all the religions so <laughs> like yeah, i want like, religion but without the
0: rules please <laughs> yeah so so uh i'm not spiritual i just have faith and the faith is not based on mysterious higher power monotheism it's based on my past experience Filoni's sponsor wasn't supposed to exist. We're still talking about it 40 years later, right? It was just Chris Hansen and I went to high school together, right? And he he knew Pete and John and... And then I bumped into Mike, and I got to be friends with Mike through Jeffrey Lee Pierce and Pleasant Gemmin, and, and all this thing happened. You can't plan that. No, no. You can't plan. Nothing in my life was planned.
1: But right? you have faith that you, if you keep moving and if you take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves.
0: Well, what is doing the right thing?
2: No, Sometimes
0: no. doing the right thing is giving your friends direction. That's what Anthony gave me that changed my life forever. Why don't you go volunteer at MAP?
1: You know, it wouldn't have been great if you said, "Why don't we just sit down and you can talk about it, your and feelings, I'll just listen my to you." Feelings, I'll just yeah. listen to you. Just talk
2: about Wait, my feelings. How, I'm
1: feeling sad, depressed? Anthony? You, you, I'm feeling
0: sad. Oh, you're feeling I'm, worthless. I'm feeling worthless and lonely. Can you give me some more about I think that? I'm bipolar. You know me too. I think I am too. I think we both are. Let's go get
1: Suboxone.
0: I'm telling you, it's just like it's 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 not socially acceptable to give your friends direction. So how is anybody getting anywhere if you can't even give advice to people? When somebody prompts, when Anthony says to me, dude, what's going on with you? That's a prompt. He's, he's budding into my business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's intruding on my boundaries. Right. <laughs> right. 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 And I say, and he's I'm judging. just, I'm just fucking depressed and he's not codependent with me. Oh, poor baby. Oh, Bobby. Oh, oh tell me what that feels like. All this stupidity that rehabs do and the society does, who gives a fuck what you're feeling get, get, get off your ass and go volunteer at map and maybe you won't be depressed
1: See and, and, and based on the conversation we were having earlier, I know that that guy I'm, when I, next time I talk to that guy my, I'm going to start with, What's really going on? Yeah, what's really? We going used to on? say that all the time, and it meant something. But what's really going on? Not I'm fine, but what's really going on? What are we avoiding? Why Why do you want to, Why do you want to in, involve yourself in this minutia of stuff you you understand well enough to move forward? Why do we want to regress and, and work on this stuff? What's going on that you don't well, want let's to deal just,
0: with? I I do a lecture where I talk about feelings, right? So so in an <laughs> average day, why is that funny? <laughs> to me? In an average day, how many feelings do you have? Thousands. Uh, thousands of colors of feeling right not intense rage and, and anger but angry you get cut off in traffic you have anger you have sadness you, I, when i heard about those kids that died i just became sad i don't even fucking know them you know what i mean i never met them it just seems so sad mm-hmm. life yeah. is suffering life is hard life has sadness to it right then i watched the basketball game tonight and i was frustrated and i hate the golden state warriors i hate them i I hate i hate i want to just proclaim this i hate the golden state warriors more than i hate trump no yes
1: wow why why because they're
0: cheaters kevin durant joining that team is fucking immoral and unethical it's not illegal just like it's not illegal to pay Google to get your clients. It's just immoral and unethical, right? The, the society doesn't even know because all they want is the fame and notoriety and celebrity. I did, a, I did a thing on my Instagram. So some of the coolest things I've ever posted, nobody likes, right? If, <laughs> if you, if you um, and I, I, I was sitting there and Chrissy and Sid were in Laguna and I was Home by myself, Elvis was at school, I was just home by myself, and the dog was laying there and I thought I never take pictures of our dog because I hate people that put dog pictures on the internet and I thought, I'm just going to do a test here and see how many people like a picture of a fucking bulldog laying on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> 2,600 people <laughs>
1: like
0: a picture of a bulldog laying on the ground.
2: Yeah, you say something important. Yeah, you
0: say something that means, you know what I mean? Or you, or children playing or... or people. Or, yeah, yeah <laughs> 33 people. And then, and here's the thing, I noticed another thing, cause, so Flea is now very active on social media. I don't know if you've got, have you noticed that, Mike? Yeah. We the, should try to that have a, a wig. Was that a should, wig
2: that he had on that 70s outfit? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, we should have him on here. He's got a book coming out. That would be called great. "Acid for the Children." I told you that. Uh, with that's a song by a friend of ours' band. Where Mike, were you in it? Um, two Free Stooges? No, 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 no. It was Xander and Martine and Pete Wise and Dick. And Rude. they had two singers. They were like Frank Sinatra and Manny, and Manny Chevrolet. Yeah. And they <laughs> had a song called "Acid for the Children." We've got acid for the children. Acid for the children. <laughs>
1: I like it already. Yeah,
0: so that's the name of his book. Anyways, uh, so they did, Flea, here's but, an, okay. but let me just explain. Flea 33 or whatever his moniker is. I noticed now he's just in the, been the last six months or four months. He's active involved. I think because he's got a book coming out or I don't really I, I know bet, why. I bet right? somebody said. So when he likes a picture, I because I watch it, right? Because I'm studying internet trends because that's what I do for rehabs. Right? So, If it's a picture of like Elvis that kind of people have seen a million times or whatever, like, you know, I like pictures of my kids. So that's what I post. Um, And you can see that it's been up for four hours and 63 people liked it. As soon as it pops up there that Flea 33 liked it, all of a sudden the lights are piling in. (laughs) Our culture is an influencer. It's obsessed with celebrity and fame. It's obsessed with it. It always was a portion of our society, but now it is on high, above God, right? So let me tell you this funny thing. I'm over at Chrissy's parents' house. We go over there every Sunday for like old fashioned values or you know, they have Sunday morning, the whole family gets together and have oh, breakfast. Oh cool. It's something I very foreign to me, but I love it. So her mom found old pictures of Chrissy, right? And one is her and Beyoncé, right? And I looked at the picture, and I thought, oh, my God, my Instagram would go nuts over this picture. <laughs> so cannot. I said, Zara, what's the story of this picture? And she, Chrissy goes, don't, I don't want to talk about that picture. That was the most embarrassing moment of my life. And, and so they were at the the Louis Vuitton store in Beverly Hills buying a purse or something and Beyonce was there. And so Chrissy walked over like with her mom pushing her because her mom likes celebrity stuff and pushing her to get a picture with Beyonce. Right. And, beyonce's shopping in a store right you know like don't go up to take a picture right and chrissy's like i don't want to i don't want to mom and she's like go stand next to her (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean so so in the picture security beyonce's security says hey please step away from her right (laughs) and so chrissy's looking to the right at the security person yelling at her to get away from beyonce but it looks (laughs) like they're buddies and like Somebody, they're just and jay-z's coming <laughs> for them to have a three-way <laughs> Oh my god! Uh. <laughs> did you see it no did you see the picture no so security is about to arrest uh chrissy for being next to her to be next to beyonce but it looks like jay-z's coming and they're gonna have a three-way look at oh, shit. doesn't that look like oh, we're about yeah. to take our clothes off and be with my husband and it looked like they're, they're color coordinated and Yeah, else. they're like buddies, right? Yeah. That's them looking at Beyonce's like, get over here and get this bitch away from me. <laughs> okay, right? I get it. But it was a perfect Good. shot. So that is now the most popular photo I have ever put on Instagram. It has, are you ready for this? It has 2,749 likes. It had 267 profile visits. That means people want to know if we, if Jay-Z, if we know Jay-Z or Beyonce or their own mm. in our house, we, it has, it had 398 comments. Wow. People are obsessed with fame, right? And they. More people than a bulldog. Beyonce gets more people, a hundred people more than a
1: bulldog for sure.
0: 100 people no like no like like 1100 more are oh, you thought, kidding me oh okay it was like 1600 or 1300 oh 1, I thought it was 26 I thought it was 26 so why are we talking about this because none yeah. of this fucking matters yeah. I would never do this shit not on my children's life if I didn't have a rehab center and people are so fucking <laughs> stupid that they f- have to have social media for you to find health care to find health care You have to post pictures of Beyonce. It's fucking crazy. America is fucking gone to the loony bin, right?
1: Golden State Warriors, (laughs) Trump, (laughs) Internet. (laughs) Fuck it. I can't believe it. The
0: sweet release of death is calling my name. Do you know? Well, here's here's why. go through a day and i challenge everyone i did it a couple of times it really is weird you feel like something's wrong like you're chemically unbalanced leave your phone at home and go through a whole day without your phone i've done it it feels so foreign every time you're in your car in traffic you want to look at your phone see what's going on (laughs) your phone you got to get your phone your phone (laughs) you know how many times we look at our phones in a day Try not doing it for a day. You'll fucking recognize it. It's worse than smoking.
1: Dude, on that note, I got a guy who was telling me, he goes, when people are new in prison, they, in prison, they get phantom, phantom uh, buzzes like they'll be walking around and they'll feel a, a vibration all on the right, front of their uh, leg uh-huh. and they don't they don't even have phones at least they don't carry them around the yard yeah, but they'll yeah. go, fuck phantom buzz, man. They're like we want to phantom take a picture. Vibrate.
0: Hey, <laughs> Sydney's doing something cool. <laughs> Dance now. We Got to take a picture. That whole all phantom those buzz, all uh. those impulses to take a picture to to look at your phone when not, uh, you know, you have 7 seconds where you're not occupied. Mm-hmm. It's, it makes you feel I feel like um, uh, what is it when you haven't eaten? What is that thing? Uh, <laughs> Hypoglycemic. Uh, oh, I feel Hypoglycemic. You need like you just yeah. feel out yeah. of sorts. I challenge everyone: one day, just leave for work in the morning and leave your phone at home
1: uh, for work. Yeah, will, how about
0: not a work day? You will survive.
1: Not a work day.
0: I get. Well, it. that's how they keep you in servitude. Oh, right? Your, no, your, but the, on, on a Saturday or Sunday, I'll, I'll do. I'll do it. Try doing it. Try doing it and see. What it's like to withdraw from this stuff. But I really do believe that people are looking, gazing at, we're gazing at our belly buttons too much and completely obsessed with looking at a screen in our hand. And if you can get away from that, maybe we can get back to some sort of sanity, right? You just looked at your phone. You just fucking looked at your phone. I was looking at the time. Oh, okay. 10.05. (laughs) All right. So, so you know am i gonna do it tomorrow i have to work tomorrow you're right it is hard on a work i, day. I can't, can't. I,
1: clients need I, I need to be able to um, answer questions i have
0: to do the next day too i'm gonna to try it on thursday thursday i'm gonna go without my phone okay. and i challenge anyone i challenge uh, our brothers and sisters up in uh don't time uh, wisconsin
2: oh ryan
0: power to the people comrade put down <laughs> your phone for one fucking day a no phone day no phone day can we start that oh let's let's do it let's make it a Saturday so
1: that the people that that work the regular hey
0: everyone within the sound of my voice let's try to start a national movement of no phone day once a month no, not once a month, once a year. Are you oh. kidding? You'll never,
1: get, you'll never get anybody for once a month. I want to do it once a week. <laughs> no, like, you know, they
0: have National Secretary Day. Hey, it'd be- National n- No Phone Day. It'd be a phone cleanse. A phone cleanse. This could change America.
1: I think you're Good.
0: right. A, a day without pictures of Beyonce. How about every other day? A day, day other with year. no bulldogs. Every other year, once a, every five years. A day years. with no pictures of bulldogs. <laughs> no bulldog a day. a day with no pictures of my fucking uh-huh. children. <laughs> How are you supposed to call the dealer, though? <laughs> well...
1: If you you walk it. down to the corner like we used to. Damn it!
2: Yeah. No. Hey. <laughs> no. Let's,
0: let's make the rules. So, and we want some feedback. Email us at whatever the email. Michael, give it to you. So you can use a computer for email. So drug deal, drug addicts that need to get drugs, go on Craigslist, go on, Craigslist, on, Craigslist on your yeah. regular computer. But no one can use their phone on national no phone day we got our a date. email
2: is hey man at bob Forrest, don't die come podcast on i'm
0: serious com. as a fu- i'm more serious about this than i've been about anything in a long time we need to start national no phone day we need to pick a day of the 365 days of the year where everyone will agree to not pick up their phones, leave them on the charger and go live life just for 16 hours, people. Yeah, because you got to sleep.
1: You got to sleep yeah. so you don't even have to do it. Oh, can, can you imagine? I'm going to that- sleep in and go to bed so early that day. I'm going to sleep in till like noon and go to bed at like six. <laughs>
0: So so national, national No Phone Day will be six hours for Chuck. It will be the regular 16 for me. Uh. Until next time, we'll see you later. Don't die. Bye. Right, bye-bye, everybody. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888 595 0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888 595 0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.